This call is being recorded. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, the Lockdown Browns podcast, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Always appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen day in, day out, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're following, subscribe to Lockdown Browns podcast, five-star ratings, written reviews are always appreciated. Going to sit down here today with Bleacher Report's Brent Sobolewski. Obviously, Brent, big Browns guy. Obviously, Brent, uh, Brent big giraffe guy. Uh, kicking full tilt into that, Browns fans. I know this is not where we wanted to be in week 19, but you make your bed. Got a lie in it, so to speak, and this is where we are. Um, Brent, first and foremost, uh, to you, all the fam, happy new year. How's everything going? And, uh, you know, a little bit of a different January as we got, uh, you know, a little spoiled last year. <laughs> I, I should go on to the Larry David rant about how we're not supposed to say happy new year after the first week, and we're now <laughs> at the 14th. But happy new year to you, sir. Happy new year to everyone listening out there it's an exciting time i get it i understand expectations what being what they were it's a disappointment at the same time you have to take into consideration this factor and i tweeted this directly after sunday's loss eight wins is the fourth best record cleveland's had since the return right it's only the fourth time cleveland's had eight wins over the last 22 years. So, yes, it's a disappointment. But this is a team that even when everything goes wrong, they're still capable of winning eight games. Do you know how many Browns fans would have killed for that over the last two decades? I know it's not an excuse. I understand all that. But at the same time, you got to keep keep it all in perspective and realize that this isn't an awful team. It's You don't need to junk everything, and yet you continue to build – and move towards what I think is the ultimate goal of getting in the postseason and making a Super Bowl appearance. Well, I think for a lot of Browns fans, I think maybe the diamond shoes got a little too tight, a little too fast, as this team you know, is not headed back to the playoffs this year. Um, Brent, we'll start here on the offensive side of the ball. And look, you know, the quarterback is always going to be the most talked about position on any, you know, on any team, let alone, of course, when you're talking the offensive side of the ball here. And certainly – Six through injury, through play, had his issues this year. But plenty of blame to go around on the offensive side of the ball. Um, things did not progress the way they were hoping. Things that they thought would be better than they were weren't. Uh, the offensive line at times was not. And, again, this is, you know, being the number one overall offensive line in pass blocking and run blocking was not sustainable. There was nowhere to go from there. Uh, but talk a little bit about this, Brent, here, and then we're going to get to some a little bit about you know where the changes are to come for 2022. Well, I would like to look at it from a holistic point of view because I think it's unfair to lay the onus on a single person or a couple of people because everything went wrong, right? It was Baker Mayfield got injured. Baker Mayfield regressed. Kevin Stefanski didn't progress as much as we thought he would as a head coach slash play caller. You had issues at wide receiver that obviously came to a head with Odell Beckham Jr. But if you look at the rest of the unit, they did not perform particularly well. Wide or tight end, David Njoku's playing relatively well, but he still didn't get enough playing time. Austin Hooper has been a free agent disappointment. Your offensive line, and you're absolutely correct that there's only going to 
be a downturn in their play, not because they're not capable, because they very much are, but they were the first offensive line ever to grade one and one in those categories, as you stated. So (laughs) they become an outlier more so than the actual, what you should expect from production value, especially when you have the amount of injuries that occurred up front, particularly at offensive tackle. So I know, I know the emphasis is laying almost solely on Baker Mayfield and to a lesser extent, Kevin Stefanski. And yes, they were both were problematic this year. And I think that became evident in that final contest that it was that Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough. But then again, neither was the offensive scheme. Once you place Case Keenum in it and saw how he performed. Yes, they scored 21 points and yes, they won the game. Bullshit. Those are weak excuses. They're not mic drop answers. So please stop it. He did not play all that well, but they were just a better, more talented team against Cincinnati's backups. Yes, I said backups. So when you still have an offense that's going three and out, particularly when you're in the scripted portion of the game, you have a quarterback that's missing an open receiver at the goal line, making dumb plays still. Look, yes, Baker Mayfield is an issue. Yes, he regressed. Yes, he has work on things, but it extends beyond him. It extends into Kevin Stefanski. It extends into personnel and decisions they have to make this offseason. So please, if I'm doing it and looking at the where Cleveland Browns are, you need that holistic, holistic viewpoint to understand it's not all going to be solved by making this miracle trade for a quarterback that's never going to happen. Well, all that being said, Brent, as well, though, you look at that, and that was the offensive line's best week of the season was week week 18. They graded out the best. Hudson played out of his mind. Best game of the year for Jedrick Wells. You know, we know what the interior guys are capable of. So all that being said, you know, usually what is the engine of this team was the offensive line. It was, they were, you know, top level, top shelf that day. And still it was, and a lot can be said to this caveat, Brent, it can be said that it was only 21. Um, And keeping in mind who was actually playing for the Cincinnati Bengals that day, minus probably their top eight, maybe nine defensive players. Brent, there's some decisions coming up here. A player like Dearness Johnson who had a really, really solid season. Browns already have a lot financially invested into the running back position. One of the key core quotes of this regime, don't pay for depth. That comes into mind with a player like Dearness Johnson. This wide receiver room, and this is one I keep going back to, as great as Baker Mayfield played in 2020, this year, same guys. And look, Donovan Peoples-Jones, there was a little bit of progression. There was Rashard Higgins, pretty similar uh, pretty similar to 2019, became non-existent. Jarvis Landry wasn't healthy, I would say, till maybe the first Baltimore game. And you start to see some of that, but still not enough to ever you know, say, oh, this is a true bonafide number one wide receiver in this league. The tight end position, look, you, met, you mentioned Austin Hooper. And to this point, it has not even come close to the financial investment into that position. And then there's a question about the offensive line. Does J.C. Treader, you know, ball it out, tough it out, come play another year? What do you do with a player like Jack Conklin, who this year obviously played less than he played more? Um, you have other players that have gotten a look there. James Hudson eventually maybe with an opportunity, a great week to close out the season. But, again, one game doesn't tell the story. There's a lot of decisions and a lot of changes to be made here and tweaks to get this offense not only back to where 2020 was, but you'd like it to be a little bit better than what 2020 was. Well, you look at prioritization. That's your off-season goal, right? Is you have to understand where this team is trending, how you can best build the roster. 
based on what's available to you. Because yes, <clears throat> the salary cap is going to expand by, what is it, over $25 million. Cleveland has about 27 projected, even at that new number. So they were over the original salary cap of what we thought could happen in 2022. Fortunately, they, the ownership decided that they weren't going to try to recoup more from lost revenue than 2020. And so even though they have that wiggle room, it's not much comparative to the rest of the NFL, where you have teams that will have $60, $70 million to go out and spend, right? So then it comes down to prioritizing positions, individuals, and how you want to spend what you have available to you. And for me, if you're asking me personally, one, I'm probably moving on from Austin Hooper. There's over $9 million in saving. I know you have to eat $11 million, but that's spread over three years with NFL funny money accounting, and that money's already paid out from a prorated uh, signing bonus standpoint, so it's not actually cash flow for Jimmy Haslam. Second, I'm probably moving on from J.C. Treader. It's not a slight against Treader at all, but again, you save over $9 million moving on from him. Furthermore, his knee's shot. Uh, I've mentioned this before, and I'll stay, say it again. He's basically on the Joe Thomas practice schedule at this juncture. Um, Jarvis Landry, you're likely moving on there as well, unless he's willing to make and restructure his deal. I don't see any point of retaining him. He's reached to the point of diminishing returns where his pay isn't commensurate with his performance. So those are three big names I just mentioned that people would probably freak out if you said, yeah, we're just dumping all three of them this offseason. And it's not about dumping, right? It's about improving the position long-term. David Njoku is a better tight end right now than Austin Hooper. You re-sign David Njoku. So you take the money and you start allocating it to a player like David Njoku. You have J.C. Treader, right? Nick Harris performed well in his one start at center. Now, albeit limited sample size, but the moment he was drafted, the first thing I said was perfect system fit. He is an ideal center in this system. Will he be as good as Treader? I don't know but I think he can be capable. Even if you don't think he's fully capable, capable, you can always hedge your bets in the draft. Take a mid-round center. Take a mid-round offensive tackle. Make sure these guys are in place in case you move on from Treader. Even if you don't move on, injury issues. Same thing with Jack Conklin. Conklin's a bit scary because this isn't a typical ACL Achilles tendon, where they've just become routine in the NFL. Patellar, ten, patellar tendon tears are still difficult to overcome. He may never be the same run explosive run blocker we saw in his career. I hope he is. I think he's a good player. I think he's been better than what I expected of him. So you still have to hedge that bet to a degree. And that's what I'm talking about, about prioritization. You, we know the positions Cleveland have to address, right? They have to get a wide receiver. They most likely have to get a, a defensive end. But again, if you take some of that money that we were just discussing and re-sign David Njoku, where else can you also allocate it? Re-signing Jadavion Clowney, who put, a, put together one of his best seasons of his career, right? That's what prioritization is about, allocating your re resources to where you think will help you best long-term. And that's what the way Andrew Barry would be thinking about this. It's not about trying to retain everyone you have. It's understanding what went right, what's gone wrong, and meeting where you can make yourself better long-term. And to me, that's going to take some difficult decisions that fans may not understand because big-name players won't be on the roster next year. 
And look, and you brought it, you hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, and you look at it certainly, and look, it's it, it, under whatever lens, analytical, old school, whatever, whatever you're used to, you know, look at this. It's going to be about, are you doing what we are paying you to do? You know, the financial investment into it and the return that you're getting from it. And it's just not there. And look, Nick Harrison, year three, um, you know, nothing about J.C. Treader. If you had looked at this, we said we draft Nick Harris. We think he's a perfect fit for this system. And, you know, a lot of people maybe would have said year two, let alone year three, um, you know, brought in for, brought for a reason. He's gotten a boatload of practice reps. I think for me, the sign for where Nick Harris is going to be the, the center here in year three is when you extend Wyatt Teller and extend Joel Batonio and say, all right, well, we're going to strengthen the interior because we, you know, we're going to make sure the interior is strong because we're probably going to make a change and go with a younger guy here, new guy as far as a starter. And, you know, look, it's, it's going to be a lot of un, unhappy changes here. But, again, at the end of the day, some of these guys play more important positions who need to get that money. We're going to flip it up here, go to the defensive side of the ball, kind of put the same thing, you know, under the microscope here, get some thoughts here from Brent as we roll on through here. Locked on Browns, BRs, Brent Sobolewski in-house. Here we go. Browns fans, we are all looking for edge these days, and I'd like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving betters the edge throughout the playoffs. They're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to help you make your bets as informed as possible. The experts at OnlineGambling.com have set the challenge of putting my own knowledge to the test and coming up with my early Super Bowl predictions to see how much of an expert I really am. Me, personally, I think we are looking at a possibility of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers playing the Super Bowl. We'll see how online gambling can help me get to that goal. We'll be keeping a closer eye on this prediction as playoffs continue. If you're planning on placing a bet during the playoffs, make sure you head to OnlineGambling.com before you do. OnlineGambling.com gives bettors the edge by providing the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day. That includes their OG tips section, where you'll find their own Super Bowl picks, as well as the inside track on how to beat the odds through the NFL playoffs. Make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. When you talk about the 2021 Cleveland Browns season, Brent, it's not all bad. It's not. And if you really want to get excited about one aspect of the 2021 season, you go to the defensive side of the ball. Joe Woods finally giving all the tools, talent he needs for a system like his to succeed. You know, you saw the defensive line with the addition of Jadavion and even times Tack McKinley. You saw where the defensive tackle position was an issue and stopping the run, um, you know, at the line of scrimmage was an issue. You saw the emergence of a player like Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, some glimpses towards the end of the season of Jacob Phillips, another young athletic linebacker, what it can do for a, you know, a Joe Woods type defense. The safety position probably certainly didn't give us the return we were hoping for when you thought about, you know, what Ronnie Harrison did after 2020, finally getting Grant Delpit in the fold, who again, another player who closed out, I think pretty strong. John Johnson III, certainly for the $11 million investment, was not the player we were hoping for. That story is not finished yet by any means. You go to the cornerback position. Denzel Ward, 
Greedy Williams at times, Greg Newsom at times, all flashed. A.J. Green, undrafted free agent, year two, I think, really put it together. Brings some nice length to the team, some nice physicality. Uh, gets his nose dirty on special teams. Four solid players there at the cornerback position. You're looking at players like Clowney without a contract. The status of an Anthony Walker. You're going to have to find a run-stuffing defensive tackle. You have a decision to make at the safety room with Ronnie Harrison and M.J. Stewart, both being free agents. There's some work to be done here, but the core of this defense, and you look at it when we went into last year where it was, oh, my God, eight, nine new starters on the defensive side of the ball. You feel a lot more confident about the defense for what they did and most likely where they are going in 2022. You should, absolutely. And I think the key word or key phrase to the defense is constant improvement. Because if you look at the Cleveland Browns in the first half of the regular season, that defense lost them games. It wasn't Baker Mayfield, everybody. It was the defense, particularly on third and fourth down against good offenses. And they continually improved throughout the year and finally looked like a unit worthy of the ranking among the top five in the NFL. Are there flaws? Absolutely, as you rightly stated. And it's going to come down to, once again, prioritization, right? So to, to me, the two biggest things that need to be accomplished this offseason. One, re-sign Jadavion Clowney. Two, contract extension for Denzel Ward. These are the things that need to be done this offseason, okay? From there, you can address other issues found within the or defense, excuse me, particularly up the middle. Defensive tackle needs to be reset. Malik McDowell's a great story, and I think he played well in stretches, but we saw how he wore down, and he's playing out of position anyways. So, yes, you retain Malik McDowell. You move on from Malik Jackson, who's no longer an, an every-down defensive tackle. You bring in multiple bodies to improve upon what became the worst part of this defense, which was the 12th-ranked run defense, and that was only helped because you were so good on the edges with Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Furthermore, you were operating on a one-year deal with Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker led the Cleveland Browns with 113 tackles. That may be the quietest 100-tackle season I've ever seen in NFL history. We're talking this Any is factor like in that he Rayner. missed time. Yeah, yeah. We're talking this is Wally Rayner type of 100-yard <laughs> type of or 100-tackle season. And I, don't, I didn't see any impact from him whatsoever on the field. Maybe I'm missing something. I understand that he was one of the play callers on the field. The team loves him. But there was not a single impact play that I can legitimately remember right now while we're sitting here discussing. And that speaks to the type of investments Cleveland makes in the linebacker position. Owusu Koromoa, again, is the outlier. He's special. He's, he's what they haven't had at the second line of defense ever since the return, essentially, right? <laughs> he's, he's different. But do we expect him to continually invest heavily in linebacker? No. So you're going to have to find someone that can play that position and create some impact plays, at least on a semi-weekly basis, without sinking a first-round pick, without throwing a huge free agent contract out there because that's not the way they operate, and that's difficult. Maybe they do bring Walker back for another year and hope that a fully healthy year and second year in the system will make him a better overall player. But the fact of the matter is what we saw this year was very similar to the way he played in Indianapolis, and there was a reason – why they let him walk after leading the team in tackles for multiple years and let Bobby Okariki go from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. So you have to keep all that in mind. Now, looking at the secondary, I think it's special. 
right? You have Denzel Ward. You utilize John Johnson correctly. He can be very, very good. You need to re-sign MJ Stewart. He found the role as a nickel slash safety. He played phenomenally well in sub packages, right? That So that if you do that, what do you do with Troy Hill long-term? I would like to see Troy Hill back, but it depends on what his asking price is and what they're willing to pay him. Ronnie Harrison, too many mental mistakes, too many issues. I like his skill set, how he fits, but there's no reason to invest in him long-term. You have Greg Newsom looked really good when he, when he was healthy. You do have question marks about Greedy Williams. That shoulder bothered him again this year, and it's never going to go away because it's a nerve damage issue within that shoulder. You can hope to get him as healthy as possible. But Jesus Christ, Jeff, when you look at that week 18 game and he olayed the running back, it was one of the poorest efforts I've seen for a tackle in a long, long time. And we Greedy looks like a player who's going to play out this year, and that's it. That's it. You know, you're going to get your four years out of Greedy Williams, and it's going to go. It's going to be over. It was a business decision, right? <laughs> you don't need you don't need a young player who has to still prove himself making business decisions in week 18. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he needs to be performing to his highest level to eventually warrant a contract extension, even though we have yet to reach that point. So I am excited about the defense. I think the pieces are there. You still got to change a couple things. But if you keep Clowney, if you keep Ward long-term, you get the most out of the guys that are there and make a couple adjustments, this could be a multi-year top 10 defense. We just have to wait to see how they address certain positions because specifically along the interior, they need to make changes and they need to get more powerful at the point of attack. You don't necessarily have to get bigger. People may mistake that, you know, girth equals equals strength at the point of attack. Yes, Ted Washington was great. Keith Trailer was great. Vince Wilfork was great. But so is Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald's 290 pounds. And, yes, he's disruptive, but at the same time, it takes two or three guys to move him off his spot. So just find guys that can hold the point of attack, that can create, reestablish the line of scrimmage, and maybe make a play or two every once in a while in the backfield. Now, as you're talking about this, look, obviously edge, paramount position, within the defensive line. You get Clowney back, you have two upper echelon players. You look at the linebacker room, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, you have a you know a star, look, looking like a star in the making there. You have Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom looks like he's going to be every bit of the part of a solid number two. John Johnson, Grant Delpit, not a bad way to start your safety position. Building blocks on defense. Now, the Tack McKinley, I think, was integral. Statistically, it's probably never going to look that way. And, you know, most likely you're going to move on from Tack McKinley. You have no idea how this is going to work, whether or not you would resign him. Same position they were kind of in with Olivier Vernon last year, although Olivier has some age on where Tack McKinley is now. The importance of a third edge, because, you know, we've seen at times here, you know, in the past, Miles Garrett getting gassed from overusage. Jadavian Clowney is a player, and there's always going to be games that Jadavian Clowney misses, but you want to put yourself in the best position where every rep he takes, he's going at 90%, 95% as far as in-game, you know, in-game being healthy, in-game getting enough rest. Now, this is a tricky situation here because, you know, with the Browns holding 13 and 45 selections, you need you need help at the wide receiver position, but you probably need to bring in another edge here as well. And, you know, are there some names early? Because I'll tell you, you look at this first group of edge players, and I mean, phenomenal. 
And, you know, we all know the top names, you know, whether it's, you know, Carol Ephes, whether it's Thibodeau, whether it's Aiden Hutchinson. Ajabo, for me, is a guy that maybe gets me excited at any of the other ones because I think he truly doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. So a player like that really scares the daylights out of me about what his potential could be. But some thoughts here about, you know, the, what could be there in that second wave when we're talking picks 32 to 45, Brent. Okay, I, I was laughing to myself as you saw me chuckling here. And because you mentioned Jadavion Clowney, and then all of a sudden all that's playing in my head is every rep you take, every move <laughs> you make, I'll be watching you. And that's what that's what's playing through my head. That's I'm late, but sorry. So if we're looking into that second round range, who could potentially be there? Look, Thibodeau gone, Hutchinson gone. Karloftis gone. Ojabo, because of his upside, almost definitely gone. Those are your four almost pretty much locks for the first round. From there, it gets interesting. And one name that pops to me, well, two of them, and they're very similar in skill set, Trevon Walker from Georgia and Logan Hall from Houston, right? Now, I'll even throw a third one in there because he, he all brings similar traits. Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, right? Because again, let's look at let's look at uh, the profile: premium position players, underclassmen. Aside from Thomas, the first two, uh, you know, you with Walker, you have a pipeline program. That's not the case with Hall or Thomas. But it's really interesting with those guys because all three of them I project as base ends, meaning they're they're playing the strong side essentially and miles garrett's your typical rush end coming off the weak side right so you look at walker you look at hall you look at thomas they're all about six foot five 265 270 pounds all three of them have experience playing along the interior so that changes up what sub packages you can use uh which would be really interesting all three are very physical all three may not to be the best athletes, but they play with a, a level of physicality and violence that's in their game with relentlessness. And I, because you're not getting that first round guy, you're not gonna get that superhuman Gumby flexible pass rusher, right? You may have to go with the more straight line pass rushers that can set the edge, have pass rush plans, can give you some versatility and really help your front overall. So those are the three that immediately popped to me for the Cleveland Browns. With if if and when they're looking for a defensive end in that second round range, it, it's something, and you know that's one thing you saw this year with the you know ability to have three of them. Uh, the overall performance of the group certainly certainly stood out. We're going to get to some thoughts here. I do have one draft question specifically. We're going to get to Brent as far as a wide receiver position because it seems the VR guys have their eyes on one certain wide receiver a little bit more than everybody else. So we're going to get to that. Get some thoughts here on the playoffs coming up this weekend. Bleacher Reports, Brent Sobolewski, along in today for the ride. Hey, Browns fans, this is Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon on your first tank. 
Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash that at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code Touchdown. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering for action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On, all caps, no space to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and the UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Brent, Bleacher Report, most recent mock draft. And it seems you guys have a favorite at the wide receiver position. <laughs> USC wide receiver, Drake London, size, checks the box. Yeah, it seems you guys are a little infatuated over there. You guys are ready to put a ring on it over there. Uh, Drake <laughs> London from USC. And look, this is. It's probably a little bit of nitpicking because this group is special. Granted, this group has taken a couple of hits. Drake London getting over a broken ankle. Obviously, everybody knows what happened you know, to Jamison Williams. And for anybody asking the question, look, it's a little bit different at Bama. You go to Bama, you have the understanding of, I'm not exiting stage right on a playoff game, a national championship game. It just doesn't work that way in Tuscaloosa. And it's a shame for Jamison Williams, obviously. But the Drake London... Love affair from the guys over at Bleacher Report. Brent, go into it a little bit for us. Well, it's it's a combination of factors. And <clears throat> I know the argument you continually hear is lack of separation. I want to make something blatantly clear. Just because a big wide receiver doesn't necessarily run away from every defensive back he plays against, doesn't mean he can't create separation, right? Because some people just think separation is Tyreek Hill running a 4-1 or whatever the hell he runs, and he's 30 yards behind a wide receiver. That's not how it works, man. It's because Mike Evans is a 4-5-5 guy, and he creates separation and makes big plays, and he'll probably go into the Hall of Fame because of it. Now, I'm not trying to make the obvious comparison between – Drake London and Mike Evans. I'm just providing an example for people to understand that there are different ways to win in the NFL. And what's what's exceptional, 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 there we go. Spit it out there, Sobes, is London at six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds, is very fluid. He's a advanced route runner for his age. He's 20 years old. He will be drafted at 20 years old. He is a former basketball player. He can sink his hips. He can uh, burst out in and out of the stem. Issues arise, not necessarily from the player, but what was around him. And this is where people have trouble um, dissecting film at times. USC's offensive line play and quarterback performance this year was awful. So even though you had London consistently making plays and getting open, it doesn't necessarily mean he was one getting the ball, and even when he was getting the ball, two, getting it on time. So those are those are ways to se severely affect his performance, and yet he was still leading the nation in receiving most of this year up until his injury. So <clears throat> that's the third question people have is, I think it was three, maybe it's two. 
This is his injury. It's an ankle fracture. Yes, that's concerning. By all reports, there was no ligament damage, which means it's just a broken bone. It just needs time to heal, and he'll be back to 100%. If he is cleared by the combine, I see no reason whatsoever, considering his size, his skill set, and his age, why Drake London shouldn't be a slam dunk top 10 selection. And the thing here that gets confused, when you're talking the size of a Drake London, you know, separation, okay, that's a question, sure. But, um, you know, he's running a hook route. What cornerback in the NFL is getting around six foot five? When, you know, you were throwing over a defender, if you've got a six foot tall cornerback, even with a six foot five wide receiver, if the ball is thrown correctly, the separation is the five inches of height. Um, one thing where London, for me, looks like a name that could be very, very interesting to the Browns. I look at the Packers, certainly a similar system. Devontae Adams, bigger wide receiver, never been an issue in Green Bay. But getting past Devontae Adams, you look at what Alan Lazard does for the Green Bay Packers. Sometimes gives you a look at a tight end, runs a lot of routes out of maybe where he's you know giving you an initial glimpse as a tight end. And you know if you could say you're getting a, a vastly superior type of player from like Alan Lazard in Drake London, certainly has a lot of appeal here. I see you've got a point, Brent. Go ahead. I do, and I just want to build on that because <clears> – <throat> One thing I love about Drake London, if you watch him closely, the nuance in his route running, as I stated, he's actually an advanced route runner for his age and his size. But watch the little things he does. Like, And this is my example. He makes himself a great target. And some people will be like, well, no shit, Sherlock. He's 6'5", foot, foot, or 6'5", 210. <laughs> but by that, I mean how he works his way back to the ball, how he makes himself presentable to quarterbacks, meaning catching the ball away from his body with his hands, doing the little things necessary to, yes, be a great target down the field and in the run zone because he is immense, but simultaneously using that body, his long arms, his hands to his advantage within his route running capabilities. And so to me, that's when you have these combination of skill set, I think he's more advanced than Mike Evans coming into the NFL which is probably saying a lot <laughs> for most people. but and, and that's why we're so high on him, because we see that potential. We see the thing, the little things that you don't necessarily see with every prospect. And I know one of the favorites ar around here specifically is Garrett Wilson, right? Garrett Wilson is an awesome wide receiver, and I will state this about this class. Beyond London for us, it's basically pick your flavor. Wilson is dynamic. He's electric. And he creates chunk plays consistently. But you watch London and you watch Wilson, take size out of the equation. You're going to see one's more advanced than the other at a very similar age. Very, very interesting. Uh, six playoffs games this weekend, two Saturday, three Sunday, and the debut of Monday Night Football in the playoffs. And if you guys never thought this was coming, come on now, please. It's all about the almighty dollar. Um, and if you saw yesterday, you where the TV eyes have been this year on the NFL. You know why there is a Monday night playoff game. Brent, what games here spark your interest the most? Which, which matchups seem the most interesting? For one thing for me is just looking at the possibility of the weather in Cincinnati. You know, the Bengals passing game looks ridiculously good. But if you get into a situation maybe where weather's a little bit of a factor and the Raiders have zero issues giving the ball to Josh Jacobs 25, 26 times, that's one for me that kind of looks interesting. But it's a hell of a hell of a slate this weekend. 
I'm going to go off the board a little bit, at least for most of our listeners, simply because they would be AFC North-centric. I'm really intrigued by the dichotomy presented by the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Philadelphia, much like Pittsburgh, kind of backed their way into the postseason, but they're a much younger team overall. And what I like about them isn't that I expect them to win, but they found their identity this year, which was becoming the number one rushing team in the NFL. You have a true dual threat quarterback who kind of blossomed in year two. You have this year's best offensive line in football. They just mash you at the point of attack. Going against the reigning Super Bowl champions, the much older uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady leading the way. Let's not forget, as good as Tampa Bay was in the postseason last year, Washington gave them a hell of a trouble (laughs) in the wild card Yeah, Taylor Heineke played great. So I expect that game to be far more interesting and closer than people expect. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just I just love that matchup for those reasons. I think I just think it's fascinating. And and when you don't have any really horse to bet on in this one, you look for matchups, you look for guys that intrigue you, you want to see how they play. For me, Philadelphia is interesting because I will point this out because I know I said it numerous times on social media. What Jordan Mailata has become at left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles is just mwah chef's kiss because i know i stated multiple times how uh, teams should try to pry him away from philadelphia when they still had jason peters they didn't and now he's one of the best (laughs) most physically imposing left tackles in the game and it's awesome to watch for a guy that never played football before being drafted he was an australian rugby player at six foot nine 345 pounds so you know me jeff those guys in the trenches seeing that type of play just fascinates me yeah, and you look at it to the point where they had a first-round player in Andre Dillard who's literally just standing around, you know, fetching coffee for people now because he literally just got his doors blown off by a player of this magnitude. By the, um, way, so fun to watch. Plus, by the way, that yes. might be a good swing tackle. You, uh, you've signed on a short prove-it deal in free agency for the Cleveland Browns because who was in that front office when they selected Andre Dillard front, or not, or in the first round? Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry. It comes full <laughs> circle, my um, friend. And also – Yes, and also there's a couple caveats here for Philadelphia. Would you rather be at home? It's going to be crappy here on the uh, on the Northeast Sunday. Or would you rather go play in 71 degrees in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I think they'd rather be down there. Plus, it's the fact that they can run the ball. If they can stick true to their identity and make Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski more spectator than player, certainly probably gives them an advantage. Sneaky one to see how this one will play out, and that's your 1 o'clock game Sunday. It's been a blast here with Brent. Obviously, a lot going on here this time of year. Browns fans, we're not talking about what we want to be talking about. But look, you know the deal here, Lockdown Browns. We made, this podcast was made on covering the offseason, covering the draft. So it's an easy transition for us to be, as much as we're going to do it like a kid kicking and screaming, putting on the nice clothes to go on church on Sunday. We're here. We're going to bust it. We're going to cover the living daylights out of it for you guys like we always do. Check out everything over at BR. Brent's going to be busy. Brent's going to be out in Vegas. He's going to check out uh, the All-Star game out there. A uh, lot of draft coverage from uh, Bleacher Report, so make sure you're checking that all out. Make sure you're following at Brent Sobolewski. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open. 
Always appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen day in, day out. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you are subscribed or following the Lockdown Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews. We're going to get you a full playoff preview uh, this weekend with Pete here. We'll break that down, uh, you know, in the next day or so. We'll get that out for you guys. Um, I really look for a great playoff weekend here. A lot of places weather ain't going to be so great. Stock the fridge with food and beer. Enjoy it, and, you know, we'll see where we're all at, you know, after the weekend. But with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.